0: The Dev and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, MLB Strzok. I'm here with special guest and author Samantha, Samantha Anderson. It's trying to rush your <laughs> name and it's not <laughs> going for it. Today. So, I understand. Oh. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Now, you have the Hellborn series, and there's currently five
1: books. Yes. So, where did you come up with the idea for book one? Um, I had started to want to write again. I just moved to Colorado with my ex-husband and it was time to start writing again. And, um, and so I found a, a, uh, writing prompt on Pinterest, believe it or not, and started writing and the writing prompt I found it just Savannah, here came Savannah and Damien were the first two that came. Um, I changed the scene slightly, but I ended up using that scene in book one and I just kind of ran with it. And the next thing I knew, I was writing a novel and I said to my mom, who was in California at the time, I think I want to publish this. And here we were, (laughs) we were running with it.
0: That's always a wonderful thing. You find, we find our writers, we don't always know where they get their writing inspiration from.
1: This was, I had given up my writing because my ex-husband did not want me doing it. And so I, I gave it up, um, to focus all of my time on my, my family, my husband and my children and moving to Colorado. I only had one friend out here. She didn't have a whole lot of time because of her work schedule. And, and so it was, I needed to do something and I made the decision. I need to do something for me. Mm -hmm. writing became became my thing again and I just I there were some trials definite trials with that book because the dot the the program I was using originally lost the manuscript not once but twice and I had to start three different times (laughs) nothing that
0: we want that's going to be good ever comes easy yeah it becomes uh, easy. It's not worth having.
1: Exactly. And so I I wrote that manuscript three times and then edited it four times with my mom. And it was the first time we had ever edited anything. My mom was an avid reader. Um, and so we went through and we'd be on the phone together for hours um, all weekend editing chapters. And so it just kind of developed. And once I finished book one, I started book two instantly. And that's where book two actually picks up. It picks up right at the end of book one. And we just, my, between my mom and I, we, we really just went and, and ran with this entire series until my mom couldn't do it anymore.
0: I understand. My mother is my first beta reader. She reads my books before anyone else. she was my yeah so we understand our parents are usually our first readers for
1: anything yeah my I had people that I work with they're going your mom reads those types of scenes that you write and it was one of those that we would have these open conversations and arguments some days. Um, about word usage, about which word is better in that place. And here we are. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. We, my mother is reading my young adult series and they're like, your mom reads young adult. Well, she's read my darker stories that I won't publish because they're like fan fiction and stuff like this, but that's my creative outlet. I'm, yeah. They're dark. I mean, but she'll take these and they're fun. So you can relax to them.
1: My mom read um, all the way to book four. Um, she read through every, all all one through four and and went through editing. And um, book three is is a darker book, and then book four is even darker. I went to a very dark place to write that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I was in the middle of fixing a section um, because we would edit together, and then. I would do one more read through to try to make sure we caught as much as we could Mm -hmm. and added a few details here and there. And, um, I was going through a section and she comes up and at that point, um, i had left my ex-husband and her and I were, she had moved to Colorado to be with me and my kids and we were living in the same apartment and I was working and she goes, by the way, that scene. And I go, which one? And she goes, the, the snuff film. And I said, yeah, she goes, it was really good. I said, I don't know if I should say thank you or, or I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, but that's what our, our betas do, regardless of your mom, it's, a, you know, best friend, whoever is our first readers, this is what they do. And they bring out that inspiration. They bring it out to the fullest, the darkest, the funniest, whatever we're mm-hmm. going for in that scene
1: she there would be times where we would argue um about certain word usage mm-hmm. santiago is a 400 year old vampire who's european he's from spain and he's traveled all over europe and so he's very old european he doesn't have certain words in his vocabulary and so trying to always make sure when you're writing his his character and staying in that voice was always, is always a challenge. And so she was that person that would go, I think, I think you lost them there. Let's change these words. And was the one that would point out, "Mm, yeah, this isn't right. This is not how this should be worded. So, yeah. I mean, if you
0: go, if you have a character, say from Australia or Austria, Hungary, they have very certain words that they say in their normal dialect. There's Mm -hmm. not, English well it is English but it's a different form than what we yes
1: yes and Santiago is very proper he's very he speaks very properly he doesn't use words like can't and don't um he has a tendency to sometimes say my old friend or just use the word very um there is an old rule that says never use the word very but old Europeans use that word So it's, you know, it's a little different. And so I have to always remember when I'm working with Santiago that he has a different cadence than everybody else in this series. Um, And he has a different set of vocabulary as well in this uh, than everybody else.
0: I mean, that's always good though. You have that one character that is different from everyone. (laughs) And it's like, are they good? Are they evil? Are they mischievous? Are they friendly? It, they can be anything because they're completely the opposite from everyone else.
1: He is, he is so proper and he dresses so nicely. We, we very rarely see him out of his suits and, and they're tailored to him. So we very rarely see him out of his suits. Um, when we do, it's either to go into battle Um And the only other time Savannah sees him out of that is when um, he is doing woodworking, because as a human, he did for a living, still something that brings him peace. And so uh, there are certain pieces of furniture in their house that is made by Santiago. That's the only times we see him. And it's very few and far in between we see him out of out of his suit.
0: Exactly. I mean, they have their clothes that they wear every day you have their personality, they have, do they, the females wear a certain necklace or earrings? It's what do they wear? It's what everything goes together in the books. And you have to build that layer by layer.
1: It's very challenging. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm very good at world building. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason is because of who I've read um the the authors i enjoy the most i am a huge jr uh jr ward fan and she bill has built this extravagant world of these males um in the in the black dagger brotherhood and same thing with ann rice she did the same thing so when i started this i didn't know it was going to be a series it started off as book 1 and as soon as i finished book 1 i knew what needed to happen next um and so Book two happened, and at that point, I didn't know how many books that there were going to be um, until about halfway through book two. And at that point, um, I was going through so many personal changes, and I really just threw myself into this world and and building everything and building these characters um, and adding more characters. We have so many more characters than what we had in book one and book five there's, there's so much more supporting cast and we're starting to get deeper into those other characters and finding out more about them.
0: I love how you're using words that I, I associate with films, cast and scenes and characters.
1: These are all film related. (laughs) Yeah. My brother's actually a producer. Um, but Savannah is very real to me she's she's there she, I don't I don't know I'm not the one creating the story she is she tells me it I put it on paper and that's really how it works um Matthew who is one of our main our main bad guys he you know when when I'm writing And working with Matthew, Matthew is always right here and he's on, he's breathing at my neck and it's a, it's a constant thing when I'm working on a scene with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and he's not through, he's through the whole series, but you don't see him all the time. So when he has book four was, was predominantly Matthew and, and we spent a lot of time hunting him and finding more things out about him, including his real name. Um, I spent a lot of time with him just breathing down my neck with Savannah on the other side of me. is not that fun? (laughs) Me, the, these, you know, Matthew is a very dark, um, and very, very psychopathic Mm -hmm. individual. And, um, we see in book four, how far he's willing to go, or we think how far he's willing to go. Um, I'm working currently on book six and we're going to get more of Matthew and we're going to see how far he is willing to go to finish this Um, and how he feels he is in love with Savannah and um, what he's willing to do to prove this. So it's, he's always there and writing this book six. Now he's, he hasn't shown himself, but I can feel his presence there with every page as I'm writing to get there
0: <laughs> yeah he's just not there yet he's not ready to say okay I need to talk and this yeah. is something that's with every author we get so in tune to our characters it's they're sitting right here and we're just dic- taking their dictation
1: mm-hmm. and that's that's exactly and that's you know they are a cast because they're not they're for me they're real they're they all live in my head and they're always there And some days there was a day I went, I went to go grab the mail from the mailbox and I had, I just gotten off work and had the kids from school and my 13 year old is sitting next to me. And I, and all of a sudden I got something from one of them and I said here, and I threw my phone at her and made her open the notes. And I was like, okay, this is what I need you to put in there. And she's dictating as I'm, as I'm driving home, um, to, so that I would lose that piece of information. Oh, I've and, done that so many times with <laughs> oh my God. and that and that's the world. You know, my kids live in that world mm-hmm. all the time with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in some ways, I am a librarian. I'm I'm a part time librarian. I'm working towards becoming the full time librarian at my school, and I'm working on teaching my older grade levels how to create be creative writing,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: how this happens and how this builds because it's not something we really teach in in the classroom anymore. Um and so I've been doing this with my 4th and 5th graders and they're they're really learning. And so even in that aspect my the, these people are with me even then as I'm teaching these kids how this works.
0: Now that is a wonderful skill that you're teaching. I had this one where in school my daughter did not and it's a skill that, thankfully, because she has me as a mother, she knows how to do.
1: <laughs> but it's a skill not many people understand anymore. They don't, and so we're we're starting a new reading program. Um, COVID has brought to us the fact that these kids are are behind and they don't have the reading skills that they should. Um, And part of it is is they don't have the imagination that they should. My daughter has been read to since I was pregnant with her. My son is the same. Um, My son writes beautifully. Unfortunately, he hates it. But my, you know, my daughter has always had this vivid imagination. And so has my son, because I've read to them their entire lives and my poor son is, is one of my students. Um, I'm his librarian and some days he loves it. Some days he doesn't, but he, the, the things that I did for them at reading, I now get to do with other kids. Um, and it's, it's really exciting because some of them didn't know how to hear character voices or how to picture something happening. And the one way I describe it to them is when you're writing, you're painting a picture You know, they they go to an art class. Well, how do you do? How do you draw a picture? Okay, now you're going to do this with your words. It's the same concept, just using words instead of using a paintbrush or using crayons or colored pencils.
0: Right. And that's a skill that we have to start teaching again. We have seen a decline in all the
1: arts Mm -hmm. because we're not being as creative as we used to thirty years ago. Correct. And. They all know I'm a I'm I'm a writer outside of mm-hmm. being their teacher. It's really it's really interesting. They're going, what's the name of your series? And I'm like, you're, you guys aren't old enough to read that, so you're not gonna get to know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, one day, and I know this will happen. Some of these kids have books, and I just hope that they're old enough to read them at that point. And the other part is, is that they remember what they learned from me there are certain kids that you see there, there, there's a writer there and they want to write and they want to be able to do more creative stuff, but we're so stuck in this writing more informational stuff, Mm -hmm. informational papers, even in an elementary school level that we're not really getting to have fun with writing. And so in, in the library, I'm getting to do that where I get to show them how to have fun with it.
0: I mean, that's the one thing with writing I hated it in school because it was all informational. I don't want to write Mm -hmm. informational. I don't like it. I'm not there. You give me something that's a creative writing.
1: Yeah. You know, and they, they, and here's the other thing. They don't have the skills to know how to structure things um, when it comes to writing creatively Mm -hmm. And so I'm showing them that as well and having fun doing it, um, because it's not something that they notice in books when they, when they get a book, they're not paying attention to those things. They're paying attention to what they're reading, but they're not seeing what they're reading. They're not hearing it. And that's a huge thing. I try to make sure when I'm writing, I am painting this picture so that you know exactly what they're feeling, exactly what's going on. Um. In the beginning of book two, there at the very beginning, Savannah has almost been raped and um, in her own bed and she escapes and she gets the mail out of her home. And the next thing that happens is she throws up. And I wanted to make sure that you tasted what she was tasting when she threw up. And some people uh, felt I went a little too far because it was not a a pleasant scene in that sense, but you knew exactly what she was feeling and you knew exactly what she was tasting as it happened.
0: Exactly. You, one, you have to look at what age group you're writing for. If you're writing for Mm -hmm. an adult and you're really 100% writing for 18 and over, you can go into more explicit, more graphic, more everything versus Mm -hmm. if you're writing for a young adult you have to tamper temper your wording your Mm -hmm. verbiage so you don't get all the details
1: and you know the other one of the things my mom and i used to always argue about what's the the right word for certain scenes um because i don't believe in dumbing things down Mm -hmm. um too many times I have read a book and I, I can't get through it because it, it's dumbed it down so far. And my mom and I were having a discussion. I can't even tell you what the word was, but it was, it was a word that maybe not a lot of people knew. And Santiago was speaking and I said, no, I think this is the right word. She goes, yeah, I think you're right. And my ex-husband overheard us. And he goes, well, people aren't going to know that word. And I said, well, they can look it up then. And he was shocked. And couldn't believe I was like, really, they're, they're going to look at, I said, that's not my problem. You only get better at your word usage by reading. I have had plenty of authors, Michael Conley being one of them, where I actually had to read a sentence two or three times going, I'm not sure I understand that word. And then I went and looked it up and I'm not afraid of that.
0: Right. How many times as a reader, am I reading a book and have to reread the page or the paragraph or something to get the word to make sense? Because I'm lazy. I'm not going to go pick up a dictionary to Google the word. However, (laughs) I will sit there and I will read, -read Mm reread what I'm reading until I understand what they are saying. Because you take the word and the contents that it is, and if yeah. you have a teacher that will teach you how to read context.
1: Text. <laughs> I, one of the things that my young, for my third graders, we're, we're talking a lot about word usage. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of those things that I'm trying to also teach. And I, I do it in my books too. There are, you know, I don't do it all the time, but there are certain characters that are not going to use a simplified word. They're going to use a bigger word when they speak. And it's kind of one of those that it's required for the way they speak. Santiago is one of them. Um, Hugo was one of them. They were very close and Santiago. Oh, I am so sorry. It's all right. Somebody, somebody just tried to call me. Um, <laughs> Hugo um, and Santiago, Santiago pretty much raises Hugo. And so he gives Hugo this education that he never had as a human, and because of that reason, they speak very eloquently and and they don't dumb things down for right I mean you have so i i just i don't feel yeah, you go,
0: okay, the room is cold well' excuse. Describe cold. Is it frigid? Is it freezing? Is it, you know, there's different words you yeah. use besides cold. I had my ex husband, he never read any of my books, but mine it, neither. Yeah. My mom and I would discuss the books, and well, that just doesn't make sense. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not supposed to make sense. <laughs> so, <gasps> you know, you have to use <laughs> words that. The characters use you have to mm-hmm. stay in character, but at the same time you have to be able to describe what they're seeing, what they're feeling, what mm-hmm. they're tasting. It may not oh it's beef. Well, if you go to another country,
1: they might not have beef. They might have camel. Yeah, um, my my husband that I my husband and I just got married. My second husband and I, and uh, he he reads everything I write. Now he has taken over where my mom um, has stopped. My mom passed away in October, and he has taken over all of my editing. Um, and so he he now gets to read everything, and he gets to now tell me if I've done a good enough job or not. Um, and the nice thing is, is he worries very little about hurting my feelings. And he, he takes it, this role very seriously. So we work so well together because of that reason. Yes. See,
0: my fiance, he does the same thing. He reads, he'll tell me, and I'm like, be blunt. I'm not asking yep. you as my fiance, as my better half. I'm asking you as, you know, my guru, <laughs>
1: be blunt. <Yep. laughs> yeah. And that's what I tell him. Um, book five was a, a difficult writing because I did something I'd never done before. I bounced back and forth between Savannah and Santiago. The story has always been told by Savannah, but we needed to know, we needed to know Santiago's story and we needed to know about his past and to do so, we had to go see it through his eyes. Um, and so book five, Bad Memories is all Santiago's book. And, it bounces between both of them telling the story. And so we not only get to see Santiago's past, but we, we saw through Savannah's eyes how they fell in love. But now we got to see it through Santiago's as well.
0: That is a wonderful thing to get. And to be able to give your character that extra voice.
1: He, you know, it, there was so much happening in that book and it was leading to things that were connected it to Santiago's past into his present, and the only way to do justice to that story was for Santiago to play a role in telling this story. It was a challenge, to say the least, because of who Santiago is, and going between the two characters, it it did become difficult at times. Um, And it's it's over a five hundred page book, so.
0: Well, that happens when we get into a book
1: and we just don't know where to end it. I don't, you know, one of my ARC readers, she calls my books Bibles. (laughs) 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 But it's, you know, and I always tell her I have a lot to say. Um, And I just finished writing for an anthology, which was a huge challenge for me because I never have a limit to how much I can, I can say. And in this, this particular way, I actually had a limit.
0: Yeah. Most anthologies that
1: that gave me a whole new challenge.
0: Yeah. Our, for our listeners, an anthology usually is about 20,000 words.
1: This one is 10. I had 10,000 words and um, it's not told from Savannah's point of view. It's told from our Irishman, Liam who was part of the IRA um, as a young vampire. And he loses the love of his life um, through very bad choices by both of them. And uh, he comes to find out the truth and that there was more to it than he ever realized. Um, And it ties into the rest of the series. I'm going to release it as a novella. Um, after the anthology is, has been released and been out for three months. So I will get to complete that story and add more to it. But, um, 10,000 words, that was, that was a difficult task yeah, because that very... I have a lot to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I have one of my authors that I publish their books are no less than 600 pages.
1: Mine are usually the first one was my shortest and they've grown exponentially from there and once they they just can have continued to grow this book six that I'm working on it has no title as of yet it is going to be a hearty book because of the fact that um we're setting up for the final book of this series and the way I thought the book was going to the series was going in it turns out I was wrong and um it's changing the whole book for book six and I'm having to go, okay, I know how book six ends, but now that this has changed, it changes the entire ending of the series. And, and that has, is a whole new challenge now for me.
0: Yeah, I, I understand that because I wrote the first four books to my main series, beginning, middle, and end. I haven't released the fourth book, the final book, because I'm write, writing these uh, spinoff series, and as I'm writing it, it's adding details that are needed yep. in the final book.
1: We, um, I'm going to be finishing once I finish book six and I um, add more to for the novella
0: mm-hmm. and
1: get those two out. Um, my husband and I will be co writing a series that is technically a spinoff from this one. It revolves in the same hellborn world, but it is not dealing with hellborns directly. It, they're actually demons, and hellborns and humans don't realize that they exist. But they're not evil. They all play a role in the human and hellborn life that no one is aware of.
0: That's going to be a very interesting spinoff. It's going to give yeah. a different dimension
1: to the series that you're. <laughs> This one. um, And again, I was actually tutoring a friend of mine, her daughter, and I was tutoring her in creative writing and we were working together and I would give her free writes and make her do a writing prompt and she'd have five minutes to write and get as much done as she possibly can. And I came across a, a writing prompt and I was like, that's a really cool writing prompt. And here came... One of my demons, one of my demon brothers, and I started writing it. And I I started just the first page of the first chapter, and as soon as I did it, I went, "This is not something I'm writing by myself." And I knew I needed a co-author. Um, and I spent about six months trying to find figure out who was going to do it. My mother actually introduced me to my husband. They were friends and neighbors, and um, he and I hit it off and when we started dating, I said, you're the person that needs to be writing this uh, other part of this book. And he said, okay. He didn't even think twice. He didn't bat an eye. So, um, we'll be starting that soon enough, um, probably within a year. And that's going to be a a completely different challenge. I've never co-written with anybody. So this is, is new and I'm, I'm a control freak.
0: (laughs) i've co-written one thing it's not published but it's between me and a couple other girls that wrote the story and we haven't released it we don't know if we are going to release it it happens hasn't been decided yet but at the same time it's a very unique experience that i mm-hmm. say all authors need once regardless if you publish it or not you need the experience once
1: um you know it's kind of Like I always tell people that you should take one peer review class. You should always take one creative writing class that has a peer review. And the reason being is because there is something to be learned from peer reviews because reviews really are a reader's business, not a writer's business. I tried not to read my reviews because I can't make everybody happy. And so reading them will only make me want to do so which takes away from what I'm doing. Yes. And so peer review teaches you that Mm -hmm. it teaches you who you can, you know, what you need from others and what you don't need.
0: Exactly. Now we are almost out of time. So where can our listeners and our viewers find you?
1: So I am on Facebook, I actually have a Facebook group with a friend another author friend of mine. Um, and it is called Penned and Magic and Forevers. Um, I don't really use my author page anymore because I'm busy running my other book page. Um, and that book page covers not just me, but my friend L.E. Um, S.J. Dorn, who is a spectacular dark romance series that um, it's a co-author series. And they, they write spectacular. I'm friends with both of those guys. And uh, many other authors appear on our page. Right now, unfortunately, I can't do any Facebook Lives. Facebook has shut me down on Lives. Of course. Uh, yeah, no, we're having fun. I went to go on to do one on New Year's Eve. And as soon as I signed on, they shut me down. Um, I also do take friend requests on, on Facebook, on my personal page, because it is all about my writing. Um, and that's under Samantha O'Brien, which is my married name.
0: Awesome. I was so great having you on the show today.
1: Thank you so much. This was amazing. I had so much fun.
0: And for our, our listeners and our viewers, happy reading.